0: Well, hello, my listeners. Welcome to Ant's Morning, a newsletter that, from now on, it's going to be also a podcast. Kind of a podcast, at least. It's been more than a year since I started sending out the only written version, and I just found out today that lichen's it's not even a word (laughs) but you know uh, English is not my first language and in Spanish we have a plural for lichen so whatever also turns out the US pronunciation is lichen, and the U.K. pronunciation is listen. I'm confused <laughs> Okay, welcome! So, basically, I will just keep on sending out the written version and also, I will record myself reading it so if you can't or if you don't want to read the written version you can always listen to me Reading it while you, I don't know, uh, wash the dishes or whatever. Okay, this issue is the 29th from June the 30th, 2021. The title is Translating, Performing, Insisting. Asanamush Bush just learned. That French expression, love it. (laughs) This is one of my favorite pictures they've taken of me during El Gran Banquete y otros rituales de clausura. The Great Feast and other enclosing rituals. The exhibition I'm taking part in until August 16th. I'll describe you the picture. This was taken by Victor Hugo Martín Caballero for CREART of the interior of Las Francesas' convent, now Art Gallery in Valladolid. In the background, there's an altarpiece depicting Santiago Batallador. Before it, there's a very short, dark-haired white woman wearing black trousers, a dark grey t-shirt, and a white cape. Me, Miriam. It's me, okay? (laughs) But here, I'm my alter ego Priora, Spanish for priores, no priores, sorry, and I'm presenting my performance piece no por mis pecados, not for my sins. She's standing barefoot, arms outstretched, palms up. She's behind a lucarboco Bocó sculpture made of six vertical plexiglass panels, painted magenta, yellow and blue, built on a metal structure. Another sculpture by the same artist lights up the figure from behind with three fluorescent tubes put on the floor. Another thing before this actually starts. Ant's Morning is, and will be from now on, a monthly newsletter. I may sometimes send it every three weeks, but it's more likely it will take four or five weeks. I'm sorry I have to send it less often, but it seems more sensible for now. I love writing new issues, but it takes me many hours. And now I'd like to balance how much time I put into all the things I'm doing. AKA the exhibition, the newsletter, Neil Heerborn's writing circle, editing already written poems to submit them to literary journals, maybe a too ambitious new poem collection maybe thank you for reading anyway or for listening and I hope you still enjoy it even though more sporadically one translation words lipstick made of language and pants picture description Screenshot from the Naomi Siemens article on Words Without Borders, titled Translating the ancient female voice as queer. Under the title, there's a picture repeated twice horizontally. The Bernie Relief Clay Panel from... <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long while since I read aloud. Uh, uh, a <laughs> year. thousand and eight hundred to thousand and seven hundred fifteen before Christ okay I did it <laughs> it's thought to depict the ancient Mesopotamian goddess Inanna or Erskigal there's a humanoid breasted figure with a vulva bird of prey wings and talons she's holding a rope on its hand and stands over the backs of two lions. There is an owl on each side of the scene. Lately, I've been checking out the articles on my phone's browser. I had about 60 open tabs. Now, there are about 20. So, progress? And I found this article on the Literary Translation Journal words without borders, translating the ancient female voice as queer, by Naomi Siemens, and I'm not sure it's pronounced like that, so I'm sorry if (laughs) if that's not your name. Okay, this is a direct quote from the article, the 19th century mind, masculine and empirical, closed off to the understanding of a world completely different from its own, assumed that the role of women in antiquity was similar to the role of women in its own time. What is being uncovered now, and here I add myself, apart from those female Vikings tombs, is that women were an essential part of palace and political life in antiquity, They were diplomats, business owners, priestesses, literati, literati, I'm not sure about that. What if we decide to rethink utterly what it means to let go of gender by letting go of everything we thought we knew about men, women and the rest of us. Queer is political. Later, she quotes the Oxford Comparative Criticism and Translation Research Center. Translation is creative, not mechanical. Translators are writers. Here, the author points out. Translation itself is fluid, a queer form. In ancient Mesopotamia, the goddess Inanna, is star, is fully at home in paradox and gender fuckery. She practices ritual gender swaps. Here I'm the one who makes a fuckery, but a translation one. If you know a bit of Spanish, you'll be aware of how hard it is to translate the word gender fuckery, although it's super cool. Hence why I translated it as jodienda de género. In ancient Mesopotamia there were in fact gender roles but not the same as the ones we have now nor the ones in the 19th century. But it's worth pointing out the importance of the first named writer ever. Princess and High Priestess Enedwana. Enedwana wrote at least 42 hymns for Inanna in which, and this is a quote, she elevates the gender-defying goddess to the highest echelon of the Sumerian pantheon. Queer is political. Picture description. Drawing made by Miriam, by myself, with blue pen on paper. As a reference, I used one of the owls that appear on each side of supposedly Inanna on the ancient Mesopotamian Burney Relief. Described in the previous picture. Then Siemens quotes Sanaif Barani. Again, sorry if that's not how you pronounce that name. What we have in Istar is a derailed femininity. Then Siemens points out how in her gender flags we witness the power of paradox, the shamanic vehicle for transformation. Translation. A contrariety not a contradiction here's the last paragraph and then I'll stop nagging you with this article I promise translation is always the chimera in the act of walking away it is a male seahorse giving birth in the queer space of translation the girl gets the girl or the guy or both or none she wears lipstick made of language and pants. She is the hero who makes mistakes. The villain with a soft spot for a soft sweater. She is a bad parent or a down the way girl. She decides what her words slash world will be. Translation is the chimera with the window rolled down. Driving by. Translation is active. Breathes, is trans, it is queer and changes its mind like all the time. Translation is anachronistic, it is archaeological, it surprises you. It is the robin wrestling a worm out of the snow melt at the start of spring during a global pandemic. I delight before such metaphor abundance especially if it's written as a conclusion. If someone someday asks me why I like translating and I manage not going blank, I'll answer apart from making information more accessible because translation is queer, is writing, it breathes and changes its mind, like me. Two. Welcome in the night. On August the 4th of 2020, I wrote three poems inspired by, and destined to, a literary journal's next autumn issue. They were asking for texts about harvest, as literally or as metaphorically understood as you'd like, but preferably with a hint of cyclic renovation, rebirth of some kind. This journal didn't accept those poems, so I kept on sending them to other open calls with similar themes. A couple of days ago, well, actually, a few more days since I wrote the entire newsletter and I recorded the podcast, (laughs) so a few days ago, Silvia Magazine sent me an email saying they'd like to publish one of those poems in their August issue. I sent this batch of poems. I took out some I had them some others on the on Fe- February the 16th, 2021. Moral of the story. If they don't accept one of your poems for publication is not necessarily because of the poem. Many times the poem doesn't fit tonally with the other poems they already accepted for that issue or the editor needed to make the cut somewhere and your poem was one of those they liked but just a little bit less than the others. It's complicated. If you're in the middle of this process Keep on sending out your poems, please, or short stories, or illustrations, or photographs, as long as you think they're still good, even after months or years. Maybe someone would like to publish them when you least expect it. Here's a fragment of the poem, a tiny one, because I already shared another fragment, oh so long ago. Not so long ago, but pretty long ago. Uh, In the written version, here you can find a link to the um, Ant's Morning* issue from September the 8th, 2020, titled Pink Bright Burnings. Welcome in the night. Inhale the dark that falls upon fields empty, satiated. Three. What's on my neck, you ask? Picture description. Picture taken by Victor Hugo Martín Caballero for Creart. Inside Las Francesas. In the background, there's a traditional convent set of wooden chairs and two plexiglass Lucarvoco sculptures hanging from the ceiling. A line of carpets made by Ana Cubero covers parts of the dark wooden floor and it's made of smaller, dodecahedron shaped carpets. The set of chairs is divided from the rest of the space by a black fence with golden ornaments, which is open in the middle, where Miriam Aspriora, or Prioress, comes walking. She's wearing the white cape, still barefoot, and holding a maroon book titled La Regla de San Agustín, or. Saint Augustine rule. For the ones who haven't read the previous issues, I'm taking part in an exhibition in Valladolid with a performance titled No Por Mis Pecados, Not For My Sins. I told you more about it here, and in the written version, there you can find a link to an issue I sent on June the 4th, 2021, titled not for my sins. Very convenient. The exhibition is titled El Gran Banquete y Otros Rituales de Clausura. Something like The Great Feast and other enclosure rituals. It's created by Juan Carlos Quindós and has pieces by these artists. Ana Cubero, Belén Rodríguez, David Duyos Eloya Arribas, Esther Gatón, Julio Medavilla, Lucarbocó, Bocó Marta Almudí, and Miriam Navarro. In the written version you can find links to all of their social media or websites. This picture was taken right after I read one of the rules in the 1627 Regla de las Comendadoras de Santiago, the one that applied on only female convents of the order of Santiago, like the one this exhibition holds used to be picture description scant fragments from the 1927 regla de las comendadoras de santiago's seventh rule que en los monasterios de nuestra orden no estén ni se reciban ni duerman mujeres seglares y las que hasta aquí ha habido se salgan y las echen fuera de ellos that would translate to in the monasteries of our order there cannot be, nor be welcomed, nor let sleep inside, non-cleric women. And the ones who have been inside will get out and will be expelled from them. Well, uh, it sounds a bit strange because it's like uh, old Castilian Spanish, so uh, it would sound only strange. It's inevitable. (laughs) I know part of the audience doesn't believe this text is real, but it is. It's not mine and I didn't edit it. And this rule is specific to the only women convents. What I did write myself is what my alter ego Priora says right after, something I recently added to the performance piece. ¿Qué, qué tengo en el cuello nada what what's on my neck you ask nothing then she touches her neck where the audience can see she has several bruises the first time I presented the guided tour this pan was universally not understood because I just read the rule and touched the marks on my neck I decided to add this bit. And just to be safe, I also added this. Priora stops, pulls out a small paper from her pants pocket, carefully unfolds it, and reads. De día me trago la fruta madura. De noche tus dientes se pierden en mis alturas y el cuello me florece de dolores que no duelen. By day I swallow the ripe fruit by night your teeth get lost, in my high places and my neck blooms of painless pains. I wrote this poem so I could read it in that precise moment, like a love letter, in case there were still any doubts what I'm talking about. I think this time the joke landed much more gracefully. Here's a link with all the info on CREART's website. The link is called CREADORES 2021, EL GRAN BANQUETE Y OTROS RITUALES DE CLAUSURA. SM FRANCESAS, 11 de junio, 16 de agosto. And in case you're in Valladolid this next few weeks, the exhibition is open to the public Tuesday to Sunday, 12 to 14, and 18.30 to 21.30. Priora's Guided Visit, Miriam Navarro's performance piece, followed by David Dujo's live concert Coram Nihilo, performed at the Chapel Exhibition Hall Choir, Sunday, 15 August, at 12.30. Silent Actions, Escritora, Lectora y Paseante, Writer, Reader, Walker, Miriam Navarro's pieces, presented one after the other, will be on Sunday the 8th of August at 20.30. Yet another translation faggery. Walker is a relatively common word in English, but paseante, it's a word I kind of made up, because the word that is closer to what I was thinking of, caminante, Doesn't have the connotation of slowly walking I was looking for. A meditative kind of walking. 4. Witch's Violet Vinca major. Picture description Picture of blue periwinkle on the street. The leaves are almost eye-shaped, deep green, and there's only one bright purple flower that has 5 petals. I found some trivia about these species that don't appear in Wikipedia, and that doesn't mean they're more or less reliable, because, well, Wikipedia, but I loved what I read on this website, and there's a link there to jardiniberico.es, and then the article is Curiosidades vinca hierba de doncella. One of the vinca Mayor's Spanish vernacular names is Hierba Doncella, something like Maiden with. And that's especially confusing when you read that it is... Here I, um, I translate uh, pieces of this website I told you about. If you want to read the original Spanish text, you can go to the written version, now I'll just read the um, translation. It is an aposinaciae. This means it has milky sap, poisonous in large amounts. It is also caustic. That is why, back then, they avoided putting it against the maiden's skin. On top of that, according to Slavic mythology, written by the Ukrainian Mykola Kostomarov, there was a ritual that used the blue periwinkle the first Sunday of spring. The girls used a blue periwinkle based potion to conquest their husbands. Really, I'm very confused at this point. A name that makes sense to me is pervincare, the one that ties with insistence, because its stocks grow and develop roots when they reach the ground. And now, the vernacular names. This is my favorite part. Adorable. In English, Big Leaf Periwinkle, Large Periwinkle, Greater Periwinkle, and Blue Periwinkle. In Spanish, brusella, Brussel, Brussel? <laughs> Brussel, I think. De Viña en Viña, From Vine to Vine, Enredadera, Ivy, Finca Vervinca, Vinca from the Latin vincio, to tie, to fasten, things they do with this species' tox Hierba doncella, Maiden Weed, Laurel de Daphne, Daphne's laurel or bay, Ojos azules, Blue eyes, Ojos llorosos, Weepy eyes, Siempre verde, Always Green, Vinca per Vinca, Hierba de burro, Donkey Swift, and my favorites, Violeta de las Brujas, Witches Violet, Violeta de los Hechiceros, Sorcerers Violet. I just learned I can change the text color if I switch tiny letter to HTML mode. Brace yourselves. <laughs> I said that because, in the written version, the last two names of the plant are in violet. Additionally, in Germany, it is known as flower of immortality, in Italy as flower of death, and in France is a sign of friendship, although it has been known since centuries ago as sorcerer's violet or Violet de Sauciers. It's been a long time since I studied French. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Again, I'm so confused with the names of this plant. Here is a personal translation from the Spanish that was already a translation from the German. Sorry, Emil Sola. <laughs> the black hairs stood on end as a helmet of horror, dark as night, eyes the color of maiden's sweet usuriously open, would not stop asking, deranged, terrified by mystery. This is a fragment from Emile Sola's La Bête the human beast, I think. OK, excuse me, I love this. <laughs> Now I feel totally justified in having taken home this flower. It was on the ground, I never plucked them from the plant. Keep that in mind. Picture description. Picture of a witch's violet or blue periwinkle flat and dried over a white paper. The petals are spread out and there are fine and long filaments standing from the calyx. From time to time, I collect flowers and dry them, sometimes to put them on thank-you cards when I send out my books. But now I'm thinking I may be, inadvertently, also performing some kind of magic. And that's all for now. As always, thank you so much for reading. And if you just arrived, welcome. Here's my coffee page. The link is co with a K hyphen fi dot com slash Miriam Navarro That's in case you can and feel inclined to buy me a symbolic coffee, basically a micro donation, so I can keep on drawing flowers and owls and writing ant's morning and poetry and who knows what else. Subscribe, if you haven't already, pretty please. Here you can read the whole archive with all the previous issues. The link is tinyletter.com slash Miriam Navarro Prieto slash Archive. When subscribing, don't forget to wait for the email tinyletter will send you and click on the confirmation link inside it. See you, or read you, or read me, or (laughs) listen to me, I don't know, in a few weeks. Bye.